this is the chair, is it? Yeah. The infamous chair. So many have sat in it. I know, I know. I've been listening, I've been listening. I saw Park yesterday, I ran down. I, I was behind him. him. Oh, was you? Yeah. How did you see him stall his Land Rover? Don't let him pretend that's the first time. No, we smoked way too many fags that night. Right, well, I'm looking forward to this one, actually, because you're the first person um, I've had who I don't actually know that well. Yeah, well, what I will warn you of, I am going to twist some stuff up, only because initially when I gave you my answers, I played it very safe. All right. Like, really safe. So, listening to others on the podcast, I was like, actually, everyone else has been quite open, like... I'm not ashamed of it, so I can talk about it. But... No, well, you've been quite... From the moments you give me, you were quite open, I thought. <laughs> well, like, my angriest one, that was a fluff piece for you. Really? Well, don't tell me it yet. No. When we get there, I'll go in blind. <laughs> yeah, go in blind, don't worry. I've got them in front of me, so I can kind of remember myself. Yeah, everyone does that. Everyone has them. Has them. I've got them all wrote down anyway. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> but, um, we do have something in common, though, you and me. Oh, yeah? We both slept with Sam Parkinson. Yeah. Do you know about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I shared a bed with him in Krakow. Oh, yeah, he's told me all about Krakow and yeah. how shit-faced he got. And, no, it was Rotterdam where he had to be carried home and he thought he was walking. Oh, I don't know. I wasn't there for that one. Trust me, the drunk stories get better with Sam. <laughs> yeah, well, well we, we, we don't talk about when we shared a bed. What, what happens in Krakow stays in it's Krakow? It's all right, it's all right. I know he's cuddling. He takes all the quill. <laughs> no. Have you ever been to Krakow, by the way? Uh, once upon a time on a school trip, did so go, not you, really a proper... Did you go to Auschwitz? Yes. Good one, eh? It was good, but I'd rather go now as an adult than with a class full of dickheads. You yeah. know what I mean? But, hey, we'll get there. Well, <laughs> I thought it was like... Do you believe in ghosts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, right, if there was such a thing as ghosts, I don't know, I'm a bit on the fence. I'm, thought... I'm spirits more than gold. Do you know what I mean? Things that you can't explain right. that get labelled as a ghost, but probably, do you know what I mean? Yeah, Supernatural. Yeah. Well, I thought if there was such a thing as ghosts or mm. spirits or whatever, the, the, that gas chamber, there's got to be loads of them knocking about. I'll tell you what, you do get chill though when you go, when you look yeah. at it for the first time, you go, ooh, okay. Yeah, it's proper era. Oh, yeah. Loved it, that was great. Yeah. Can't be a bit of darkness. Well, I'm trying to get Sam to go on a trip to Chernobyl and he won't come with me. Oh, really? I'd like to go there. Oh, I really want to go. I do mean, you like tourist trips? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you get given one of those, I don't know what they're called, the Ometer things where they go depending on how Yeah, yeah. So you know where to avoid and they give you a path to go on and you can actually go. So you know how they covered up the actual chimney thing that was that exploded. Yeah. You can go pretty fucking close to it and look inside where it was. Really? Yeah, because most of that radiation's gone. It's spread out now. Right. But I really want to go. Because have you seen the series, Chernobyl? Yeah, of course I have. That's I'm obsessed. <laughs> That's what happens. He says to him, go and have a look into it, don't he? Because he yeah, says, yeah. it's like the, the core has Yeah, gone. yeah, you can look down into the core, but you can't go that far in, but you can see like the control room's all burnt up and stuff like that. It's right. cool. I want to oh, go. Yeah, I, I do that. Is it sparking off fancy? No, no. I found I found a, like a tour thing with it. So you fly it to like 50 quid and then there's a tour for 170, but that is two-day tour, the whole shebang. You go through all the history, you meet some survivors. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And I was like, we have like three heads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, we'll see, we'll see if it comes off. I'm hoping next year. Yeah, well, that'd be good. Let me know how it goes. Oh, well done. But yeah, we've only met each other a couple of times. You've got a great video of us celebrating that goal. Yeah. Finally, I had to bring that up. 
How did you know to start recording? Well, I've been filming and doing videos and taking photos at gigs since I was about 13 as a fun thing. Then bands started picking it up and they were like, oh yeah, can we have that video? Can we use this footage? Can we have these pictures? So like, got Cape Wear, Cape Fly. They've used some of my stuff. Frank Turner's used a couple of my pictures. Okay. Which I'm, I'm perfectly fine with. I don't want to get paid. I just enjoy doing it. So, but it's a nice thing to know that other people appreciate it. Well, we'll get onto that in a bit because that was your surprise moment, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that. I was going to ask who it was. Was it? Was it a surprise moment? Yeah, that you were surprised that people. Oh uh, yeah. On yeah. Instagram and approach you about your stuff. Yeah, there was other, yeah there was a lot of other weird people that got in touch with me about that stuff. But yeah, but the the video you put it, you, you did for, was all celebrating. It was a great moment. Just shame about the result. I know. Imagine, my dad was in a pub full of Italian people, so how do you think he okay. felt? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're saying um, you might need proof now of being double-jabbed for football matches soon. Yeah, that's going to come in easily. I think you're going to be double-jabbed for everything near enough now. What do you make of the old COVID passports? I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. But I can understand it at the same time. Because people should still have the freedom of choice whether they want a jab or not. And you can't say, because you've chosen you don't want a jab, you can't come into here it starts to get a bit too controlling then you know what I mean it's how far does it go yeah I mean I don't like the idea of it to be honest it does mm. sound like the force not on people yeah um, have you had the vaccine yeah I've had one I'm, I've got to because basically I'm going over to see my mum and dad in Italy okay. so you can imagine all that travel I just don't want to risk it and I've got breathing problems as it is right so you can just imagine so when's your second one 6th of August Okay, it's coming up. I was the last thirty second one. <laughs> to be fair, near enough everyone else I know has been. But yeah. yeah, you'll be fine. Well your embarrassed moment was uh, performing pissed in school before throwing up over yourself. Yeah, that wasn't a fantastic moment. What year were you in? I think I was year I was either year nine or year ten. Okay, and what were you performing? I was singing I was so I was that girl that every fucker has in their year group that <laughs> The head teacher's like, you sang in your first assembly, so you're singing in all assemblies from here on out. Okay. Have you got a good voice? Used to, before I smoked 20 a day. <laughs> do you want to give us a rendition on the podcast? Oh, God. I can do. I can no, do. It's not, it's not that fucking good. No, you no but I was, what it was, I'd been out the night before until stupid o'clock in the morning, probably still drinking in the morning, then went to school, and then when we got there, my teacher was like, come on, yeah, you got, you're on stage now. And I had to sing, do you remember Teenagers by My Chemical Romance? No. So it's quite a rocky song and I was jumping up and down singing At it. At nine in the morning? Yeah. Hungover? Yeah. But the thing is, I was kind of more pissed than I was hungover at that point. And I ended up shouting and cursing at half the teachers and telling my like fellow students get the fuck up and stuff like that. What to get involved? And, yeah, and, and then they were all look, yeah they were all looking at me like it's a fucking Friday morning like <laughs> and I walked off and then as soon as I walked off the stage my teacher came to tell me off for swearing and I just threw up all over myself and I was like yeah in front of the teacher yeah. in front of any anyone else you no know, it was a couple of teachers and then they put me in a room and they were like are you okay it's like I'm fine can I have some orange juice. <laughs> so why were you drinking? Were you nervous? Is that why you thought? I'll just no, I'll just no. I, it. I'd been out solid the night before, so like it was one of those. Fourteen, mate. I started drinking at a very young yeah, age. But where were you? Like parks and shit like that. Oh, okay. You know, I was one of those classy birds. And <laughs> oh, we've all done that. Yeah, it was one of those that had just gone out with a couple of the guys. Started off slow. I had lots of older mates as well. And then went to someone's house, someone else's house. 
got home. I was also in a bit of a dark place at that time, so I was like, yeah, booze, knocking it back. My dad's gin tasted very watered down around that time of my life. So, but yeah, that's how it all ended up. Right. It wasn't a great day. Is, is there any footage of it? No, thank Christ. There is. I think there's a bit of footage of me jumping up and down, like off an old bad flip phone Nokia. And at that point, I think that went on YouTube somewhere. Oh, right. It's still floating about. There might be. But let's let's not, let's not go deep diving on this. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll post it on the Twitter account <laughs> that I never post anything on, yeah. but I should do it. But um, this saw one of the teachers, did they have a go at you then? Well, to be fair, at first, I think they kind of realised what was going on. So it was a bit of a, a you okay moment in a room. Oh, right. Like, okay. Are you all right? Is everything okay at home? And all this. And I was like, yeah, I just have a really bad headache. So painkillers. But that was the end of it. The parents didn't get called. Nothing like that happened. It was just forgotten. Unfortunately, it wasn't forgotten by half my classmates. Yes. Because, you know, but I already had enough ni- I already had enough nicknames at that point. It was great. <laughs> so you don't... So you, I suppose you, uh, you're not bothered about speaking in front of the crowd as well. And if you can sing... There's... I've... I was never born with... Put it this way. When I was a little kid, I was shy as anything. Couldn't talk to anyone. I'd hide behind parents. Wasn't great. And then I got to 10 and I kind of I kind of got involved with like punk music and stuff like that. And it was like, oh yeah, don't care attitude. And I think I heavily adopted that as like my criteria. Right. And then from then on, it was like, yeah, I'm going to do what I want to do. Be outrageous. Rebel. Yeah, rebel without a cause sort of deal. Against the machine, against the system. Yeah. But, well, I think that's good. Most people, they won't speak in front of the crowd, will they? Most people are quite shy. I don't like speaking in front of the crowd. No, I think it, it completely depends on what I'm doing. So, like, I do teaching with through my work, so I do a lot of teaching the new guys that come into work and so on. So I'm fine with that. It's if I'm put in front of a crowd and told to say something I don't believe in or I don't understand, that's when I struggle. So if it's just me talking as me, I'm perfectly happy doing it. Right. No, that's why I could never be in plays and stuff like that. You know, when someone gives you a script, I would always go off script. So it didn't work out for me (laughs) every audition. um, So what your scared moment? You give me two. Ah, yeah. Number one was the creepy day you had to escape from. That was the scariest day of my life. Okay, so this is a guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And how did you meet him? So plenty of fish. Don't recommend it to anyone. Like, even Tinder's dodgy these days. Um, so I met him on Plenty of Fish. Obviously single at the time. He looked like a nice enough guy. He said on his profile he's a DJ. Music. Yeah, okay, we can get into that. That's fine. How old were you? I was... Before I met Sam. So I was about... 22. Okay. 22, 23. Uh, no, I was probably older than that. I was 24. 24. Anyway, we went... Was he the same age, this guy? Claimed oh, to God. be the same age. Okay gets worse. Know where this is going. So he messaged me and he said, look, do you want to meet up for a pint? I said, yeah, all right. No, I'm done. Met him in Northern Quarter. I turned up and I was like, don't know where he is. He says he's here. I've got a message saying he's here. Nowhere to be seen. This guy comes up to me. Looks nothing like. Oh, you got catfished. But the thing is, though, it wasn't even... You know, normally when it's catfish, they use someone like that's really fit. Like they go like Jason Momoa as the picture or something rubbish like that. This guy was using just an average Joe picture, and I was like, "Is this? Sorry, are you are you who I'm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. That's me. Don't worry about it. That is me." And I was like, <laughs> "Right, okay." He said, "Yeah, they're they're all pictures. They're all pictures." I was like, "Yeah, 
Okay, you had more hair in them. Uh, so we sit down in this pub and I'm like, right, be nice. This guy's obviously got a bit of a thing about his image. Like, talk to him, see what's going on. So we sit down and he gets talking to me. He's like, what do you want to drink? What do you want to drink? I was like, right, it's a school night. I'm early in the morning working. I'll just have a lime and soda. And I go to pay for my own. And he's like, no, 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 I'll pay for them. I'll pay for them. Yeah, until he goes, but only if you have a vodka in it. Yeah, I do that. Exactly. I was like, no, I fucking know what I want to drink. He's like, no, 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 I'll put a vodka in it for you. I was like, I don't care. Just lime and soda for me. So straight away, red flag alarm bells. Yeah, exactly. And the guy behind the bar was kind of like feeling the same vibe. He was like, so you want a lime and soda and that's it. I was like, yeah, that's all I want. We sit down and this guy's like, yeah, yeah, great to see you, great to see you. And he's on edge. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? I said, so how's work been today? What have you been doing? And because you're a DJ. No, no, uh, I work in uh, retail. I, I, I work in, you know, putting out banners for selling houses. I was like, right. So he's also lied about what he was yeah, doing. Yeah, that's nothing like what he said. Right, okay, carrying on. Yeah, yeah, that's my job. I said, but you said you were a DJ. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did a DJ set in Sankey's. And I was like... I'm pretty sure Sankey's has closed down for a long time. This still doesn't feel right. He then goes on to a whole thing about how he's like this free child and he can do whatever he wants, including he does a shit on a Coke every day. At which point, he puts some Coke on the table right in front of me in the busy pub. And I'm like, yeah, nah, you're all right. You're all right, because I do not know what that is. Yeah. So we get up after these drinks. He's like, let's go somewhere else. And I'm like... I just couldn't say no. I don't know what it was with me. I felt dodgy about saying no. And I was like, tell you what, we'll go to Walrus. Because my mate worked in there. So you knew it was a bit safe. Yeah. The part you think it might get better. Yeah, well, I don't I don't know. I think, it, do you know what? I think it was more empathy for him. Because I felt like, have you ever been on a date before, mate? <laughs> so I was like, this feels dodgy. He said, oh yeah, I love Walrus. We'll go to Walrus. So... As you know, with Northern Core, it's mostly alleyways and like dark corners, especially at night. So we're cutting through this tiny little alleyway and he stops. And I think at first he stopped to like tie his shoelace or something like that. So I'm like in the light, turn around to him and go, what are you doing? Why have you tied your shoelace? What are you, what are you up to? It's like, I'm waiting for my blowjob. Oh, and I was like, sorry, have I given you any signals? Because <laughs> I have said, fuck all sexual to you, mate. And he's like, He's like, come on, come on. And I went, no, you're all right. Kept walking. He was like, I was only joking. I was only joking. Come on. It's Banter. Bantasaurus Rex. That's what he kept fucking saying to me. And I was like, wow. right, okay. We're getting Walrus. Oh, well, God, I can't believe you still went to Walrus. Yeah, I know. I know. I should have walked away at that point. But the thing is, because he kind of had his eyes on me, I was like, even if I try and dash off here. Yeah, I suppose. You've got to be careful. It's what's, what's the better situation? Yeah, you've got to be smart, aren't you? So I was like, getting around people and someone I know, that's, mm. that's where I want to be. Yeah. So we got there and we ordered drinks, sat down. And we sat down at like the uh, taller tables where you kind of got those um, bar stools rather than proper chair. He sat on the opposite side because I made him. And <laughs> I was like, right, I finished my Coke or whatever it was that I drank. And I'd ordered, a, he'd ordered me a lime and soda without me knowing. So another drink came straight away as soon as I finished. I was like, right, I don't like this. My mate's behind the bar watching me like something's going on. And I went, right, sorry, I didn't order that. I need to go. 
So I'm really sorry, it's getting late. Part around the corner, I'm going to leave. Do you want me to hold your car? No, no, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. And he grabbed me by my wrist so I couldn't get up properly. And he went, but I'm still waiting on my blowjob. And I took me this yeah. pint of what was supposedly lime and soda and dunked it over his head, threw the pint glass on the floor and fucking legged it. Did you? Yeah. I was like, what? this is going too far. And I caught up with my mate, obviously, the next day because he said, what the hell went on there? I was like, that guy was fucking mantle. Like, I can't do that. He was mad. And he just goes, right, okay. Uh, by the way, he kicked off with us after you left. And he was fucking mental. He just kept going on at them. And then apparently one of the managers threw him out. So as soon as you threw the drink over, you were gone? I was gone. I was so fucking gone. Threw the drink, threw the pint pot on the floor, out. Wow. That is a, that is a bad day. I can't believe people are like that. Oh, I'm... I can. As a girl, as I think any female that listens to this will go... I've not maybe had the worst date like that, but they'll all go, yeah, I had the date with the creep that didn't look like anything and didn't say anything properly. And Yeah, it must be hard for girls online dating. There are some weirdos out there. There are. I mean, I'm still dating one of them, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get on to Sam in a yeah, bit, yeah, how, you, yeah. how you met Sam, because it's, it's uh, quite a funny story. Yeah. But, um, shit, yeah, that's mad, that. But your scared moment number two was working security underage yeah. and facing a guy with a weapon. Yeah. Where were you working? Uh, so it was called Shambhala Festival. I was about 16, 17. And basically, I was dating a bouncer at the time. My dad loved the fact that I was dating a bouncer. Not. Um, but he he got a job working this Shambhala Festival. And he was like, hey, Nat, you love music, festival. You can come and work this. It's a bit of cash in your pocket. Or cash in hand. So this bouncer was a lot older as well, or a bit older? A little bit older, not massively. I think he was about 22. Okay. So we go. We're staying in a campsite. It's not really been sold to me the proper way, because he's like, oh, you're getting access to all area paths, which is great if you can actually go places, because you're mostly working. So we took... They did 12-hour shifts. So you either did 7 till 7 or 7 till 7. So I did 7 at night till 7 a.m. It's a long shift, I know. Yeah. Especially when you're underage and you're in the middle of a forest because this thing takes place. And, and the thing is with Shambhala Festival, I don't know if it's the same now, but back then they encouraged you to hop the fence. And and then if basically if we caught you hopping the fence, we had to take you to the ticket office rather than just kicking you out. And they had to pay for a ticket. And then if they wanted to pay for a ticket, they could or they could just leave. And it was like it was it was like this hippy dippy awesome thing to do. Right. And we had a couple of guys. I remember one guy hopped the fence with a bucket of KFC, and we were like, "We can see the chicken, mate. Like you're not doing well here." But it was okay until it got to like the second night. And the second night, don't get me wrong, we dealt with loads of drunk people. There was people coming over to us going, can you take me to my tent? And I'm like, no, because you're way off base and I'm not moving from here on my own. Mm. And there was a guy who came into the festival. We reckon he hopped the gate and he had a machete on it. But he didn't get caught when he's hopped the gate. Know. He's got through. He's got through. And I'm kind of like outposting like where the security and all the staff for the festival are sleeping. And this guy comes wobbling over and I'm thinking he's pissed. I need to tell him you know, go that way. I've got, all I've got on me is a radio. And this guy, and I see this shiny thing coming out. And I was just like, that is, I thought it was a knife at first. I was like, oh, it's just a standard knife. 
But I liked it. I've got no training. I don't know how to deal no, with it. Fuck that, get out of there. So I did 911 on Big George, who was a mate of my then boyfriend. I wasn't, and that was get your arse in now. So he gets down. There must have been six lads that came down with him. It took all six of them to get this guy down and was to it? get it away from him. Police came. I'm surprised they challenged him, though, if, you've got, if he's got a machete or a knife. The thing is, they were proper... The ones that I'd called over were proper bouncers, been doing it for 20 years, sorts of guys. I was 16-year-old blonde girl. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean... <laughs> Like, even still, like, if a guy's got a weapon, who's going to be the first one to restrain him? You know, even fair, six though, of them. To be fair, though, I'll be really honest with you. And they were great guys to me. Most of them were great guys to me, I'd say. But they were kind of like, who can be the biggest, toughest? So whoever would take him down would get credit and would be like, oh, yeah, you're the champion. It was that kind of mentality. <laughs> I suppose, but I think, look at it, like, it's, it's plus, not worth your be, life, is it, for a bit honest, of, uh... They had names like Big George and Tank were the ones who went after him. Like, that says it all <laughs> about who went there. Yeah, I know what you mean. But still, though, like, you know, mm. it's just for a bit of an ego boost, it's a knife. It's yeah, not worth it, is it? I but know what you mean. It must have been scary for you when you saw that then. Did somebody got in then? Did, yeah, did they get yeah. arrested, the guy? Yeah, he got arrested, got arrested. And then I kind of got put onto almost like low key duty. So it wasn't anything that was too based with the public. I think on the last day, the only thing I had to do, uh, a girl had gone missing like teenage girl, like 13, 14, gone missing. And her brother and her older sister were with her and tried to find her. So I'm going around with these. Anyway, turned out this 13-year-old girl was found in a tent with a much older bloke. So it was one of those, right, I'm going to leave before the police get here. You guys need to chat to people. (laughs) Shit. But yeah, especially with that guy, you never know what someone might be carrying anyway. No, you don't. Got to be careful. Well, your disgusting moment was wild boar meal served to you at an Italian's house. <laughs> yeah. Was this another date? No, no. So, my mum and dad live in Italy. Uh, and we've been there for years. Like, we've had the house there since I was 14. And can you speak Italian? I can understand it. Really? I can understand it. Oh. I just really struggle to respond, unless it's really basic response. Okay. But when we were there... I was trying to think of some Italian. Yeah, I was going to say, there. come on, test me. Um, Ciao. <laughs> Ciao, come and stay. So, yeah, we've we've got mates in the village that we've known for like ten years, and there's this there's this woman called Morella, and she's kind of like the nonna of the village. She's the grandmother. She's the hierarchy of the village, and she likes to cook for everyone. She cooked for me once or twice while I was over there visiting, and it was great meals. So I go over again. This time it's in winter, and my dad's like. Hey, do you want Morella to cook for you again? And I was like, yeah, I remember all those other meals. I'm, I'm, I'm up for that. So she's normally a good cook. She's not. She is a fantastic cook. She's great. She cooks past my hand. She makes everything. However, winter is wild boar season, especially where we are. And my dad goes hunting them with other people. What is apparently a traditional dish over there is you're supposed to give to the hierarchy, the nonna or whoever, the innards of the boar. So we're talking lungs, heart, stomach, anything and everything you can think of inside. Okay. So she takes this, chops it up into nice bite-sized pieces, mixes it all together, and puts a gravy on it. I can't with gravy on it. But this gravy goes solid when it sets. Uh. And then 
she heats it up so it melts down a little bit, but you know when it shouldn't, it just it should be mm. left alone. Yeah. And she served a massive portion to me with some bread. She was like, there you go, that's that's what I've made you. All these different innards in, in one. Yeah, and my dad's looking at me like, you have to try this. But you know when, when you're looking at something, and like it's big enough that you could still tell, right, that bit's a piece of heart because it's got all these ventricles in it. This is a piece of lung because it's a tube. Oh, my and God. I was just like, right, I'm going to take one mouthful and then full. I'm full. And I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I took one mouthful and I had to leave. What, what did you eat? The heart or the lung? I don't fucking know. I just went, spoon on bread. Right, okay, it's jam. It's jam. It's jam. <laughs> Didn't work. I tell you what, I'm fine with other stuff like steak and kidney pudding, stuff like that. But when I could see very clearly... <laughs> What, yeah. did, what did it taste like? Nothing I can express. It, do you know what? It was the texture. It was the texture that did it. Because it's like rubbery, but not rubbery. And some of it's spongy and, yeah, it's not good. I'm getting hungry. Yeah, trust me, you don't want that. <laughs> so, so you tried a bit then. Was she, was she not offended? Did you, did you say you threw up? No, I left. Okay. I left very quickly because I was like, I need to go and get something from the house, from our house down the road. Nipped out, came back, and she was oh, do you still want some? And I was like, no, everyone else has pasta now. I'll have pasta as well. That's that's fine. Is there any heart in this? No. Okay, I'll have this. So so she wasn't offended. She got away with it. Yeah, I got away with it. And I just know never to go around to hers for a meal in winter now. Did, did anybody else eat it? Like, did your dad yeah, eat it? Yeah, my dad loved it. My dad was like, yeah, this is dead good. This is traditional. My mum sat there and was just like, I have to eat this as a guest because she didn't think as smartly as I did and ran away. But she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Do you know what? I, I, I think I'd, I'd give it a go. But I, I, I'm saying that now when it's not in front of me. Yeah. But I was going to say, it's, it's one thing thinking about it, but it's it's like, yeah, it's, I can't describe it. It's just not right. I was in, um, I mean, I won't mention any names because he, I think he does listen to this, but it was <laughs> there was a few of us at his, one of his relatives' house. Yeah. And they made us, I think it was like, I can't even remember, it was a couple of years ago, it was like, I think it was like a stew. Right. And this was abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I was hungry, I liked it, I thought it was chicken, I think I assumed it was chicken. Yeah. But I'm looking around, one of my mates is like, just twirling it around on these people. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you're not eating that. And he's like, nah, I'm just not very hungry. And he told me later on that he didn't think it was chicken. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he thought it was, but... Well, that's it. I'm not. I'm normally, I'm not put off by stuff because of what it is or what it what it seems to be or anything like that. Normally, I can just get on with it. But that was that was another level. That was yeah, no, I can't do that. Ask him to whip you up some spag ball next yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Even in the winter. <laughs> well, you surprised moment was what you mentioned earlier was um, getting Instagram recognised by popular musicians. wide. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned both of them. I, I've never heard of them, but yeah. I, I'm really shit with music. I don't. So, so I was really big. I, like, I, don't get me wrong. I listened to some weird stuff out there, but there were two musicians that really blew my mind. And one of them was uh, a guy called Matt Maltese. Highly recommend to anyone. But Matt Maltese, I went to his gig, and I bought a couple of albums, a couple of vinyl, because he didn't have them in the shops at that point. It, you know, you had to buy it from his merch. And uh, I bought both both the vinyl, and his manager went, "Wait a minute, can can you come over here?" Matt, Matt, this girl's just bought your vinyls. Uh, he's got a massive queue of people waiting to get autographs and stuff like that. But I get jumped to the front and I'm like, okay, feeling a bit weird. All these people behind me are going to stab me. Um, and I get to the front and he looks at me. He's like, yeah, I'm signing it. He's signing it. And he goes, wait a minute, are you Nacho Geek? I was like, sorry? Nacho Geek, Instagram. I said, yeah. He was like, all the pictures you've done, 
like I've seen I've had a look through them. I remember you messaging me the other week about oh, the vinyl and I was like, how the hell did you know it was me? Right, okay, back to the drawing board. I was like, and he was like, no, really appreciate it. Keep coming out to the gigs. And I was like, dearly noted. <laughs> Walked away and I was like, he knew my Instagram handle. Didn't yeah, know my name, my but knew my Instagram. <laughs> well, yeah, and do you know what? It was nice that he responded to my messages as well. And I, I've got a lot of credit for that guy. He does great music. Still love his tunes today. Is he following you on Instagram? Uh, no, he isn't. <laughs> Matt. Sort of yeah, give me a DM after this. <laughs> um, but then we've got Isaac Gracie. Isaac Gracie, again, someone who I absolutely adored. As my dad kept telling me, I was stalking him, apparently, because I went to every gig in Manchester. Um, but again, yeah, took photos, kept posting them, obviously tagging them with Isaac Gracie, and went to get my second autograph off him, because I'd already met him once. Met him the second time, and he was like, wait a minute, you're not joking. And I was like... Same sort of How thing. do you know this? Like, my That's mind a, was blown. It's impressive, though. So you're, you're essentially better than... You, you're surprised because you're better than you thought you was. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, even things like Frank Turner. I took a picture of his vinyl rather than... I mean, I took loads of pictures at his gig. And he reshared my pictures and was like, yeah, hats off to Nacho Gi. And I was like, how on earth do you know me? And you mentioned earlier you didn't get any money for that. No. Oh, yeah, but it also, it also had a little thing after it. By the way, you can still buy this vinyl record now on my website. So I was like, oh, okay, you're using me for advertisement. Oh, yeah, people do it all the time. We we created um, a, a, a pint review page okay. in Salford ages ago. This was like a couple of years ago. I feel like this was something to try and get free pints. Well, <laughs> I think it, um, we might have got a few tastes here and there. But we basically, the idea was you go in a pub and you, you rate the pint and you, you yeah. do a little description of it. But it, it sort of, it, it got quite, you know, a lot of people were doing it. Yeah. But then we were doing, we started doing mad descriptions, um, like trying to be funny and everything. And then I think people just thought, oh, I can't be asked doing yeah. all that. Yeah, it's but, got too far. Yeah, but the reason I brought it up was because there's a pub in Swinton, the farmers, they still uh, use that page for for, our, <laughs> for their own stuff. But we just let them do it. We should really <laughs> say to them, you know. Free pints. Exactly. <laughs> You should, you should ask for some free vinyls from these yeah. guys. I've already got all the vinyls signed. Well, I'm, a, I'm a big vinyl nerd. I've got all the records, all signed, limited edition pressings. Well, better with a bit of few bob. I don't know. It's just, it's just obsession on my part with music, but hey, it's how it goes. Your angriest moment. So you said it was getting picked on about your sexuality and not reacting so great. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I was... I don't know, we were kind of the generation that it wasn't like super okay if you were gay or anything like that, but if if you kind of came out, depending on who your friends were, some of them were good, some of them were bad. I came out as bi when I was 14. Didn't go down well. And my mum and dad kind of didn't believe it. They were like a bit of disbelief, like you're too young to kind of know where you are. If you come out at 14, when did you realise? Oh God, I, I think I had a knowledge when I was about 11. Okay. I had a knowledge that, yeah, kind of like girls. But you don't, you don't kind of go, this is my sexuality at 11 years old. No. You kind of go, I'm going through puberty. And that's kind of what my mum and dad put it down to when I was 14. So they were the first people you told? They weren't the first people I told. The first person I told was actually uh, one of my mates, one of my closest mates, Nikki. And I told her, and she had a look of, oh my God. And then she was totally cool with it, she was totally fine. But when it got out around school... It was a whole different thing because it was like you go into the changing rooms for PE, no girl wants to get changed near you because what if you're looking at her? 
trust me, none of them were that fit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think it's all the bullshit that comes with it. Yeah. Most people wait till they leave school, don't they? Yeah, a lot of people do. And a lot of people I know that were in my year group, funnily enough, some of the people that took the piss out of me are now gay or, okay. you know, are in long-term relationships with someone of the same gender and stuff like that. Well, you go, that's... They take the piss out of you as a reflection on themselves. Then, yeah, wasn't it? massively so, massively. And you know what? All, all power to them. I understand that when we were teenagers, that probably would have been really hard for them to understand. But for the people that were truly horrible, so like, I think I, I kind of lost it with one guy, and I didn't like him anyway. Um, but we we're in form, so we had form at the beginning of school where you get registered and everything like that. And we had form, and we went in. I sat down and some, I think it was a girl called Jay, tried to sit next to me. And uh, he sparked up and I just had a bad week. I'd had a really bad week. And he just went, don't sit next to her, she'll try and fill you up. And I lost it. And I, I saw Red for one of the very few moments of my life. But I saw Red, threw a chair at him, threw a table at him. Did it hit him? Oh yeah, I made sure. I've got good aim when I want it. <laughs> Put him against a wall, started punching him in the face. Wow. We, at the time, the corridor that we had was full of our year in form. And we had half of the rugby team come in and pull me off him. And literally, I literally just left into the corridor. My form tutor came around and was like, what's gone on? He didn't want to admit what happened. And I went, I'm off. And just walked off and went to the teacher's office. Got a small bollocking. And then I came out. And when I came outside from getting told off, half of the rugby team were there and I thought, they're all mates with him. But they're going to give me, like, the worst ever. And then, Nat, Nat, come over here, come over here, we want a word with you. And I was like, shit, I'm going to get the heck, I'm going to get killed here. Like, one of them's going to say something or do something. And I walked up, and there was a guy called Matt Wood. And I'll remember this forever, because it was just, like, the coolest thing he could have done at that time. He stuck his hand out and shook my hand. And he said, well done, we all fucking wanted to do it. And I was fair like, play. fair do, fair do. But, yeah, there was quite a few people that decided tormenting me and girls hiding my, my bra after PE. Like, I'd wear a sports bra and then they'd hide my real bra so I couldn't wear it. Shit Kids like that. Kids are cruel, aren't they, in school? Yeah, plus I was the emo kid, so that didn't really help my popularity points. Mm. So Did the other lad apologise to you? Never, Did never. You? I don't think he actually had the balls to come speak to me again because... He got the shit kicked out of him a few times by a few people I know, just mainly because of his gob, but... Well, it's, um, if anybody's homophobic, I think they're just really insecure. Yeah, I think I think it comes from a place of insecurity, I think it comes from ignorance. And to be honest, even these days, you still get things that are kind of microaggressions, like, I remember when I was on the dating scene, a lot of people were like, oh, so you buy, so you must love threesomes. It's like, nope, <laughs> not interested. And they're like, tell me the top five girls that you fancy. And it's like, it's a bit weird if you want to date me and you want to know that information. Oh, God, some of the stuff you must get on these. Yeah, but even even dating girls, it was ten times harder because girls were like, you're not a real lesbian. I can't be with you. Yeah, 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 genuinely. I got a lot of girls that were like, can't be sorry, you're half, can't go near you. Because they didn't think I would take a a lesbian relationship seriously because I'm bi. Yeah, I I once, I dated a girl who was by once, mm. and she told me quite early on, but again, it was one of those, she told me, and it was like, oh, yeah. a bit of it, but then you thought, and then it was fine, and I still, we're still dating after that for yeah. a while. It's just additional information, that's all mm. it is. But Yeah, you must you must get, on, especially on those dating sites, you must get all sorts. Yeah. Uh, well, your other saddest moment was 
realizing how depressed she was when your grandma died was that is that what caused it all is that what brought it all back so kind of going back to 12 years old i kind of reached 12 years old and i didn't really know what was going on with me obviously puberty and all that crap but i was so depressed i was so miserable like i would just go into my room and cry and it got to a point where the only i mean when i say crack i mean i'd go into hysterics and i'd have no reason for being there and the only way I could find out of it was, at the time, self-harming. And, you know, I used to put staples in my arms, I used to pull my hair out, I used to punch myself, pulled a tooth out once. And what, what's the what's the reason behind it for self-harming? Is it, I when you're punishing yourself, or is it a rush sort of thing? It's it's almost a slap out. The, you know in, in cartoons where someone's, like, talking too fast and someone slaps them across the face to shut them up? It's that sort of deal. It's something to shock you out of the system because you get to a point, it's like a bottle filling up and you're getting higher and higher and higher and if you don't release, you're going to blow somehow. And it's like the only thing I could find that helped me out, and I don't know how my brain went there, I really don't, was causing pain to myself. And I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I went through years of it. That's why I have the tattoos where I have them. They cover everything up. And I'm not ashamed of it, but let's be honest, a tattoo's a lot nicer than seeing scars and stuff like that. But my gran, on my dad's side, she was... She used to be a nurse and, like, a midwife and a health visitor. And she kind of noticed when I was about 14 what I was doing. And she knew she couldn't watch me all the time. She knew she couldn't tell me not to do it. She couldn't really talk to my dad about it. She didn't know how to talk to him about it. So she taught me how to clean my wounds and to make sure they didn't get infected, make sure I didn't go too deep, make sure I didn't hurt myself too much. She still tried to get me help, but she didn't know how to go about it at that point. I mean, she was a pensioner by that point. And as time went on, she wasn't a very well woman anyway. She was on like 20 pills a day. And uh, basically she went into hospital and they said she's not going to make it through the night. And she lasted three months. And it was weird seeing her in the hospital. I didn't quite know how to react to it. And I was a bit out of the situation. And then when she passed away, she was the first grandparent I'd ever lost. She was the first per- meaningful person in my life that I'd lost. And I went down into the spiral again. Yeah, and this was, I was about 21. So I'd come out of my self-harm, I'd kind of moved away from that, I'd got better on my own, I'd done medications. When she passed away, it hit me really hard, and I thought I was okay. But the reality was I hadn't actually faced up to what was causing all this. I'd just masked it with pills and stuff like that. So when I lost her, I, I went through, I found bridges that I could jump off, I found keys to a gun cabinet, and I had to really fight to get away from doing that. And it was hard. But it was during that that I kind of went, wait a minute, this niggling thought in the back of your head that's causing all this at the front isn't just because she died. It's everything else. And I think I think in a weird way, I kind of saw my grand Irene as a bit of a saviour. She was someone I could talk to. She was someone who didn't judge. She was a protector. So, yeah, that 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 sent me deep, and that's what kind of triggered me to get myself sorted. Well, you, you, did, you said it was hard, but you did it. What was the first thing you did to sort of pull yourself out of that? 
I think, way of thinking. I think the first thing was to start driving a different way home. So okay. I used to I used to drive over this bridge that I kept thinking about. I'm going to jump off this. I'm going to jump off this. So first thing, right, I'm going a different way. I'm keeping away from that. When I found keys to a gun cabinet, I gave them to someone. I said, fucking hide them. Take them away. Things like being around aggressive situations, staying away from them. I went off the booze hard. I wouldn't touch it. Uh, smoked a lot more. Smoked a lot more. Um, but that was just a coping mechanism. Cigs or weed? Both. Both. Smoked an awful lot. Um, but it was definitely something that when I went and got the help finally, after those initial, this is what I'm going to do to take care of myself, when I went to go and to get help, it was hard. It was really hard because the thing is, when you're going through that and you have someone call you and they're like, okay, explain to me why you're depressed. And you're like, I can tell you, but what are you going to do with it? And one of them was like, someone, this wasn't even a therapist, by the way, this is just someone who works for the therapist, was like, oh, you were abused as a child? Right, we need to get the police involved. We need to, and I'm like, whoa, 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 I'm nowhere near ready for that. I just need help. And, you know, talking about self-harm with some people makes them cringe and makes them think, hide all the sharp objects, don't let that... It's nothing like that. But, alas, when I finally got the help, I went through therapy for months and months and months, probably years, actually. But she was great. She took me through everything. We worked through everything. And now I've got loads more coping mechanisms of how to handle it when I do get anxious, when I do get depressed, rather than just curling up into a ball. Right, so yes, it's made you a lot stronger. Oh, definitely, definitely. If you spoke to me three years ago about this, there's no way... I would have been able to have this conversation. I would have been in tears on your sofa going, oh, oh God, have me. But that's, that's, you know, it does help. And I think a lot of people are kind of scared of therapy. And I've known people that have shied away from it and what use is it. Think of it more as teaching rather than a therapy course. They're teaching you how to manage your emotions and how to think about things. It's not about, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with you. You work it out for yourself. They're just there to help you along the way. So anyone who is shying away from therapy, yes, you might have the medications, but strongly suggest therapy alongside it. Absolutely. And I think everybody that's been on here, a lot of them have been in therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about it myself as well. It, it's good to see people you know, saying they, they, they're doing it. You know, yeah. it's, it's getting the stigma away from it, isn't it? That's the way it should be. And that is, that is the way it should be. I can't... I can't imagine where I would be without therapy and meds. I really can't. I really can't. Well, you look like you're very happy now. You look like you're in a good I place. I am. I mean, if everyone remembers uh, Weirds the other night, I was very happy on Weirds tonight, so... <laughs> I think everybody was. Mm. Everyone's always happy at Beard Halls. Yeah, true that. Well, you, your proudest moment was saving a dog from an iced over pond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what right. a hero. Right. Okay, let's let's take down the hero a few five notches. <laughs> when was it? It was in Bramall Park, and I was, was first year of college, so I was about sixteen, seventeen. And one of my mates had this ratty Pomeranian esque thing. Anyway, Bramall Park, big pond in the middle. It's all iced over because it's middle of winter, and this thing, sorry, this dog, this lovely dog, lovely, lovely dog. Uh, decided I can walk on ice, which to be fair, it looked pretty solid. 
obviously as soon as it took three steps onto this onto this ice straight through obviously the dog's screaming i've got my mate stood behind me who is the most female of female people who is screaming her head off i can't remember what the dog's name was but it was something like princess hey, princess hey, princess happy princess so the dog's gone under yeah gone so the dog has yeah. gone under all i'm seeing is a little tail coming yeah. out and then i'm like okay right and I'm like, I can't, I can't leave her like that. I can't leave the dog like that. It's only a small thing. So at the time, I wore like really heavy belts and studded belts and stuff like that. So I took my belt off, wrapped it around my hand and smashed through the ice a bit more. And then ended up going nearly head first into the pond, pulling the dog out. Dog comes out. I'm like, right, okay. You're what out was, of the water. What was the dog doing? But... It was, it was mad. She was like, oh my God, I need to get into the vets. I need to get into the vets. I was like, yeah, I don't drive. So call on your mates who drives. Well, you just saved the dog's life. I know. It was, it was literally, if I hadn't done that, because she wasn't prepared to get wet, I think my mate, like my mate was like, oh, it's icy. But like when I say female to female, I mean, imagine a Barbie doll times 10. Still, that dog was in there for any much longer. It, it must. It must have been in there for about. Hypothermia for dogs. It was probably about two minutes because it took me a minute to get my belt off, and then it was straight to the vets. And then I think they kept it in like an incubator sort of thing for like a week, and no, it was all good. Was so okay. hey, Cresta, that's the probably the proudest moment I've got yeah, because save, save I, I walked away from it going, oh yeah. Yeah, how <laughs> proud are you? You've saved an animal. But I, I didn't know when you told me. I thought it just sort of got scared on the ice. I didn't realise it had gone right. No, down. no, gonna, luckily it scary. hadn't gone further and then down. It was right at the edge, so I pretty much just went to my shoulder into it, like dipping my hand in. It must have all happened really quick as well. Ah, yeah. But the thing is, dogs are dogs, even if they're ratty things. <laughs> what did the owner say afterwards? Did the did the fact did he give you any recognition? Her mum, her mum thanked me. She didn't. I think she was. I think that was because she might have got a bollocking for what happened. Okay. But her mum kind of like gave me some chocolates, bought me a cheeky bottle of vodka. You know, it was oh, nice. all good. It was all good. good. Well, you saved the day. Well done. Your happiest moment was uh, meeting Sam. Yeah. I love this bit, Sparky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Sparky, as you all lovingly know him. Um, so when I met Sam, I met Sam on Tinder. Like I'm going to be really honest about this, and we met in my local pub. And we were texting the whole way there. And we did a thing where whoever gets to the pub first buys the round. So I got there first because best. It should be whoever gets there last buys the round. Yeah, no, but you know, I was also trying to make a good impression. Yeah, okay. you know. So got him a Guinness in. And I think he must have been nervous because he, he downed that pint. Like I was like three sips into mine and he was like, I need another one. I was like, okay. He got pretty hammered on our first date. And he could drink spark, yeah. Oh, yeah. He he was, yeah, he was arsehole. And we got talking about relationships and, like, past relationships and stuff. Because, you know, you do on a first date kind of gauge where you are. And Sparky said to me, I've never been with a girl. And I was like, <laughs> you've never been with a girl? What, you're, you're a virgin? I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's a virgin. He's a 28-year-old virgin. Shit. Right, okay, take it slowly with him, right? And I'm like, oh, can I hold your hand? And all that stuff. He's absolutely goners. And he's like, 
trying to go for the goods <laughs> on a first oh, day. Oh, he went for it. Oh, yeah, he went for it. He, oh, he went for more than a freaking smooch. He didn't oh. ask for a blowjob in any way, did No, he? he didn't, luckily. <laughs> but he went, he went for it. The next, He also paid for my taxi home. Oh, so. Jen. I know. Which then made it that I had to see him again because he gave me a £20 note and the taxi was only a tenner. So I had to give him oh, the £10 back. Clever, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, ever since then, I mean, don't get me wrong, I went through some awful dates, good and bad and stuff like that. But ever since I got with him, he's just been, like, like my best mate. And, like, he lives with me now, taking him away from all you lovely people. I do apologise. You know, you can have him. Yeah. Oh, all right, okay. <laughs> this is going out. Um, but he was... He was something that I didn't know I needed. He was definitely something I didn't know I needed. And when he kind of came to live with me, yes, he did the messy boy thing and it was weird sharing a space that has before only been mine. But actually, I couldn't have it any other way now. So, yeah, one of my happiest is definitely putting him into my life. Oh, brilliant. So he's moved in with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I also should add, by the way, he's not a 28-year-old virgin. I just got it wrong. Um, But, you know... Four dates in, we worked that one out. But what did he mean? He meant that he hadn't had a proper girlfriend. Oh, okay. But it took me four dates to understand that. So for four dates, I'm treating him like the 28-year-old virgin. <laughs> and one of my mates, yeah. I, I told one of my mates the same line, and she went, oh, so he's gay. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not prepared to kind of broach that just yet. <laughs> so we remind me of what, he, what was your hope? Did you, was it, did you say the first line on Tinder to him? Yeah, well, no, we did, we did the, hey, how are you? What you up to? Yeah, we did all small that. Talk. Yeah, and then we got into the serious questions, which were: if you were a sandwich, what sandwich would you be? That's what you asked him. Yeah, and he went with ham and tomato, <laughs> and didn't give any reason for it. He was just like ham and tomato, dependable. I was like, oh, okay. Well, he's got a point. Yeah, I was like, it's like okay, plain. Um, but yeah, mine was uh, ice cream sandwich. A okay. little, little bit surprising. A little bit surprising, small and sweet, works. <laughs> but, nice work, it did work, it worked for him. Yeah, yeah. But do you like having tomato sandwiches? Bit of onion, it's alright. <laughs> Spice it up a bit. <laughs> so you're still living together, so it can be worth it, <laughs> Tinder in the end. Yeah, it can be. I mean, don't get me wrong, I went through, I think I think I did the baptisement of fire with Tinder. You had to kiss a few frogs before you met your prince. Plenty of frogs. I had some very weird dates. Some very weird dates with both boys and girls. But... Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's another time. But no, he was definitely worth going through all that. Oh, brilliant. I'd like to hear that. Nice one, Sparky. <laughs> so your happiest moment was dancing on stage with James Brown. Yes. Just being at a gig. So when he said, get on up, did you just take it literally? Yeah. Like, I was about... I was year seven, so I would have been about 12 or 11. Yeah, he's, he's dead now, isn't he, James Brown? Yeah, yeah. Very dead. Yeah, for a long time. I was about... It wasn't that long, seven, six, seven years ago, was it? That's a long time. Well, so anything over point. five is surely a long time. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> but right, so go on. The Godfather of Soul is no more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I was, I was about year seven, and my dad, massive jazz blues soul fan, was like to my mum, "I've got two tickets to James Brown. I've got two tickets." And my mum's like, "Sorry, it's it's not Robbie Williams. Like, I don't <laughs> want to go." Oh wow, she picked Robbie over James Brown. Oh yeah, she would one hundred, and. Um, it was at the Bridgewater Hall, and my dad was like, oh, it's not on a school night, I'll take that. Took me. And Bridgewater Hall, the stage is like 
10 centimetres tall. It's not a big stage in the Bridgewater, or at least it wasn't at the time. And we were right near the stage, weirdly enough, with some people from Coronation Street, uh, like Steve... Steve from Coronation Street. Oh, yeah. And the guy Steve who... McDonald. Yeah, Steve McDonald was there with some of the guys. And um, he'd done a few songs. He'd done the whole getting down, someone put cape over him. No, I can't go on. I can't go on. Um, he did all that. And then he did get on up. And he's like, get up off your thing. And people gravitated towards the stage. And bouncers are like, no, like, back up. And he tells the security off. And he's like, no, let him up. Let him up. So I'm like, Dad, drag him up. And we're there going, get up on that next to James Brown wow. on stage. Like, not even near him, actually on stage with him. Oh, singing. It was That's mad. Crazy. But the thing is, was it was mostly middle-aged blokes and then a 12-year-old blonde girl. And is there any footage of this? No, no. Because it was only me and my dad that went and we both got up. I suppose it was before all the It was before proper, yeah. It was before, to be fair, if you got something, it would be pixelated to anything. You could say it's any blonde girl. Well, I suppose you, you, you've got it in your head, haven't you? You've got that moment. Oh, God, yeah. 100. I will never forget that. What did it smell like? <laughs> smelled like sweat and soul. <laughs> That's what it smelled like. I wouldn't expect anything less. Was that the best gig you've ever been to? <sighs> Don't do that to me. Right, music is like my life. Like I, I know it sounds really cheesy, but I I got into music at like six years old and devoured music. I used to go through my dad's record collection, all his CDs, and I'd do 10 CDs a night. And so as soon as I was old enough to go to gigs on my own, I went to him. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still dragged my mum to Busted. <laughs> but, you know, girls can have mistakes. I think probably some of the best gigs I've been to was... Uh, Heaven and Hell, which was basically Black Sabbath without Ozzy. So met Ronnie James Dio afterwards, which absolutely killed me. Um, but then there's also been things like seeing Jamie Cullum in Umbria Jazz. So a bit of a different move. Seeing the Wu-Tang Clan at Apollo was insane. Uh, saw Nas live. That was that was at Academy. That was mental. So you do like your variety then. You like a uh, bit yeah. of everything. Yeah, I do like a bit of everything. But, you know, I went through... I went to Megadeth concerts, I went to see Slipknot. Like, yeah, nearly busted a rib in uh, in a mosh pit for Slipknot. Um, don't wear a boned corset to a Slipknot gig. I'm just telling you now, it's a bad idea. Now we might have to do two podcasts for all these stories. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I do apologise. to come back for part two. Well, hopefully you'll be... Be, you'll be going to a lot more gigs now. They'll be happening again. I bet you missed Yeah, yeah, uh, Already got seven lined up. Have you? Yep. Going seeing uh, Little Sims. Got uh, Frank Turner uh, based up. And then Blinders, Fontaine's DC, uh, TV Priests. I've, I've not heard of half of these. Or probably, you know what? Probably two-thirds of them. Just get it on Spotify. Little Sims, 100%. Okay. Frank Turner, 100%. Send us a few links. Therefore. But that's it now. That's round up. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Before you go, mm-hmm. do you have any wise words? Oh, wise words? You didn't tell me I had to I had to think of that. I always ask this. Uh, right, okay, this is truly coming from a fat girl. Every meal should be a memory. So when you're making any meal, like when you've got mates around and stuff like that, don't just, it is what it is. Like, make a thing of it, sit down, have a glass of wine with each other, talk, don't just, here's the food, see you later. It should always be a memory. Okay. Cheers, Nat. Thanks very much. No, do